1: PJ Flex Boat does not have a hole in it, just so you know. Put some Flex Seal in that shit, it's good to go. I
2: don't know, Flex Seal doesn't fix cannonball holes that Bowling Green shoots in it, okay?
1: I don't know, fix up a screen door with that stuff. You've seen that commercial, he's floating on a screen door, man, that stuff's pretty solid.
0: Shit.
1: Well, maybe Eric will join the party one of these days.
0: Yeah, I'm making the highlights for what facts I'm going to drop on your head like a ton of bricks. Yeah,
2: and most of them involve how P.J. Fleck is not going to row the boat this year. He's going to snap an oar off halfway through the race. Very well could
0: happen. I don't know. Yeah, never say never. Welcome back again, everyone, uh, to the South End Zone. I'm Eric. I'm hosting uh, the fir- at least the first portion uh, of this show, where we will be looking at the Big Ten West uh As always, joined by Timmy and Jason. Timmy, what's going on?
2: Not a whole lot, man. Big Ten West uh, this week, a little bit different than last week. Uh, I think the teams are a little bit more controversial in this uh, side of the Big Ten, so it should be some good discussion. Hopefully, we got some differing takes because I feel like we were pretty much all aligned
0: last week. Uh, we were a little bit, and I think I don't know if I'd use the word controversial, but I would definitely say that the West is much more, uh, expectations wise at least, much more even across the board than the East. Uh, out of the seven teams, we're looking at five of them with either a seven and a half or an eight and a half win total from Las Vegas. So, uh, Jason, Newsflash, what do you
2: think? They all can't win eight games. They uh, Well, <laughs> they all
0: can. Eh, maybe they can. It's just someone's going to have to go 0 and 12. Jason, what's up?
1: <laughs> oh not much man i'm uh i've been uh, i'll be honest i've been kind of ejected from college football dab and uh just like knee deep and mlb trade deadline stuff man i've been watching that crap all day refreshing the old twitter feed seeing who the bravos got so
0: yeah I, I couldn't leave it alone i was just, I was hoping for one more trade and i just never saw it
1: but yeah but uh overall man no, i'm good uh excited to do the big 10 West. man. i think i'm with timmy i think this is gonna be I think we are gonna have a bunch of differing takes because well, one, Timmy's picking under on Minnesota, and uh I'm not because it's Minnesota. So I'll be I'll be anxious to see because he you know he lost his bet last year and he still hasn't fucking paid yeah, up. Yeah, you
0: wouldn't you wouldn't know it.
2: Well, I've been waiting for the correct opportunity to begin the year. So just please wait.
1: Been waiting twelve months, but okay.
0: Yeah, Timmy honoring that bet is like texas winning 10 games like i'm gonna have to see it first (laughs) oh man crushing me you gotta you gotta show me and and then i will leave it
1: foreshadowing to next week's big 12 preview is that
0: what we got next week or sec i don't i didn't even think to look
1: i think it's big 12 next week
0: okay well i'm sure texas will come up uh for quite a bit of that show um i want to start off before we get into the previews i want to revisit uh episode 49 which we, re- re- we recorded at the end of June, uh, I believe on the 28th, and then it was released the next day. One of the things we talked about was uh, the recruiting at Florida and the the fan base and some of the people kind of uh, adjacent to that program being a little unsatisfied with how recruiting was going under Billy Napier in late June. So to kind of just rehash real briefly the timeline, um, uh, the week of like, I don't know, maybe like June 19th or so. Uh, There's a five star corner and a four star D lineman that Florida was kind of seen as a frontrunner for. Uh, those guys ended up committing to Georgia and Penn State, respectively. The day after, uh, Billy Napier sends out uh, an open letter to the fan base and the boosters and supporters and everything, which is really kind of intended to be kind of a wrap up of his initial uh, introductory speaking tour, really kind of took on a little bit, uh, a look of like defending himself because the day after that, uh, Jaden Rashada, who is a four-star quarterback from California, who was expected to be choosing between Florida and Texas A&M, took a visit to Miami and committed that day. So now they missed out on on three kind of blue chippers, and people were a little up in arms. And if you guys remember, what we kind of concluded was, yeah, a little. What we kind of concluded was, that Florida fans need to shut They need to shut the fuck up
1: and let the guy coach a season?
0: Yeah, that way I started there. But at the time, they were ranked 28th. And we kind of dug a little into that. And their ranking was driven really by lack of volume because they only had nine commits at the time. But if you look at their average player score, they were like 12th or 13th. Uh, since then, guys, in the month of July, Billy Napier has brought on eight four-stars. Uh, Last month, all different positions, defensive backs, uh, two or three receivers, quarterback, lineman, Uh, they're up to 12th, and their recruiting class consists of 14 four-stars and two three-stars, and their average player store is still in the kind of 12-13 range. So really, I guess my question is, what do you think the chances are that by the time it's all said and done, Billy Napier ends up with a top-10 class and shuts some people up?
1: (laughs) I think it's a very high chance of that happening. I I don't see, I don't see them finishing out any worse than they are currently because I see some of the top ten teams dropping out. You know that have tons of volume in their class already, and I mean we know Notre Dame's not going to finish one or two. You know there'll be teams that jump them, things like that. But the dude's just been cleaning up and recruiting, and it points to everything that we said. You know a month ago. like, shut up, stop whining, let the guy coach a season, let him do his thing. He's doing it the right way. Like, what are you guys crying about? Like he's cleaning up on the recruiting trail. And like all those commits that he's got are within like 350 miles of Gainesville.
0: Okay. there's There's a ton of Florida and Georgia guys.
1: Yeah. So he's just been like dominating the entire region that he's in. And, you know, I'm sure they'll get one or two dudes from, wherever, California, wherever, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're still, you know, early signing period isn't even until mid December. So we still got a lot of time left. Um, and even now they're them being 12, you know, with those 16 commits, Timmy, you want to take a guess at how many teams above them have fewer than 16 commits?
2: I can probably say comfortably. Most of them probably don't have 16 commits uh, already, um, especially this early in the signing period. I'm sure I haven't really taken a deep dive on, you know, most of the recruiting um, this early in the cycle yet, but I'd be hard pressed to believe that most of them have that many kids. They're probably top heavy. I'd imagine.
0: Okay. Well, you would imagine wrong because the number is actually zero. Alabama has 17. Miami also has 16. No one in, in Florida spot or higher has has less than that, so they're Samsonite, man. Yeah, Fox. you're so close. You're almost there. So I just I look at kind of where where they're at and where where they've gotten to, and it just it feels like there is some room to keep going. So, you know, like the old uh Tracy Lawrence song, uh, "Time Will Tell," said, "Time will tell, and and we'll see what he, where he ends up." But I think pretty decent chance he ends up in the top ten class. All right, you guys ready to preview? Let's, Let's do it. Yeah. So let's let's move into the previews with that. I just wanted to kind of circle back to that Napier discussion because it is something we talked about and that circumstance has changed drastically. Um, so I want to talk for just a minute about uh, prodigies, like child prodigies and, and young geniuses, uh, people like Thomas Edison, who received his first patent at age 21, or Enrico Fermi, who was one of the pioneers in atomic energy, who Got a doctorate degree in physics when he was twenty, and he was a professor at twenty-three. He later went on to be uh, one of the the headliners in the Manhattan Project and won a Nobel Prize. Um, Mozart, right, composed his first piece of public published music when he was five.
2: Where the fuck and, are we going with this? Is this history by, class?
0: We're getting there. When he was five, and by the time he was a teenager, he'd composed dozens and dozens of operas and concertos and symphonies, and perhaps. Uh, arguably the most uh, impressive instance of, of young adult genius. Uh, t Payne was only 22 when he successfully rhymed mansion with Wisconsin. So
2: that is an all-timer right there. <laughs>
0: uh, so Jason, are the Badgers, who have an eight and a half win total from Vegas, are they going to live up to the legacy set by t Payne?
1: That was a really long lead up for kind of a letdown. I'm going to be honest, but
0: now he crushed is- it.
1: That, that aside, uh, Wisconsin. All right. Eight and a half total. The, the highest total in the West, the nine and four last year. And they started, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, they had a fucking abysmal start last year. Now they did have really tough games, but they started one and three. Okay. And poor Timmy, he was really close to winning his bet on Minnesota, but Wisconsin lost the season finale to Minnesota, which cost them winning the division and also uh, solidified my over seven. So eat your heart out, Timmy.
2: So who was right?
1: <laughs> this, this eight and a half win total from Vegas is interesting because the schedule is quite a bit tougher this year than last year, and they're only bringing back eight starters. So, I mean, when you start on the offensive side, Graham Mertz is back, and I mean, I've – not had any good things to say about this dude in the past, and for good reason. I mean, he's just hes just a guy. He's not good. He completed 59% of his passes last year for 1,900 yards, 10 touchdowns to 11 picks. Bottom line, for me, he stinks, and that's my diagnosis on him until he proves me otherwise. But even more troubling than that, his top three wideouts are gone from last season, so I don't even know who he's going to be trying to complete 57% of his passes to. That like their top returning wide out caught 19 balls last year. Not good. Uh, Braylon Allen, I mean, the dude we've talked about him, Eric. He's an absolute beast. Went for 1268 and 12 scores last year for a ridiculous 6.8 yards per carry. I mean, the guy's just a monster. So it's Wisconsin. I don't necessarily ever worry about their offensive line. I think they'll be fine. I think uh, they'll be really heavy on the run again. Now, defensively this is where things get problematic they you know they got three starters back uh two on the defensive line and one at linebacker pretty much all of their top tacklers from a year ago are gone except for nick Herbig. he's you know he's back at linebacker he's probably their best player you know he's probably an nfl guy (sighs) now the really problematic part is their entire secondary is gone they brought in a ton of transfers in the secondary so i would you know, expect quite a drop off from the solid numbers they put up a year ago, which I mean, they were plus one in turnover margin last year. So even with all the shit quarterback play and the 11 picks and all that, they were still plus one. So pretty good defense. They gave up, let's see, they gave up like 65 yards a game on the ground last year. I don't expect them to repeat that, but bottom line with looking at their schedule, man, with as many question marks as they have on defense, especially and Graham Mertz at QB, I mean, I know they won nine games a year ago, but like I said, it's it's a tougher schedule this year. I mean, they've got road games at Ohio State, at Michigan State, at Iowa, at Nebraska. That's just too many testy road games for me to say that they go over eight and a half and go nine and three. I think they could potentially lose five games at worst, and you know, but I'm penciling them in at eight and four, and I'm gonna take the under.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm under on them as well. Just I, I think they'll start off five and one. The front end of their schedule is pretty light, but then I just I don't like them to win four out of their last six, like you talked about at Michigan State, at Iowa, at Nebraska, uh, Minnesota, Purdue at home, Maryland. I think they probably win that, but I don't. I can't get them to nine. Uh, Timmy, what do you got?
2: Nah, man, I'm in the same boat. It's it's real easy for me, guys. Um, you know, Wisconsin's basically ride or die with Graham Mertz. And, you know, just like Jason, I'm not a Graham Mertz believer, man. He turns the ball over too much. And like you said, they took some big hits on defense. Um, they do have some talent, but it's inexperienced talent. So just like you guys, man, I can get them to seven relatively easily, but nine, nah,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I could see them going eight and four. I just can't. Between what they lost at receiver and the quarterback play, I just I don't think it's a nine win team. So
2: now that's not to say that they still can't compete for the West title and play in the championship game because the rest of the division is more or less you know in the same boat. But I don't think they're going to win nine.
0: I think they're going to have a tough time winning the West, winning eight games. If you assume that they're going to win their three non-conference games, that would leave them. Five and five and four in the conference. Did that get it done? Maybe. <laughs> I,
1: I, don't, I don't know, man. This I can't imagine it would. This is hodgepodge division, man. Who who knows? Yeah, a little but. bit.
0: Uh, let's move on to a team that is probably not going to be in the discussion for the Big Ten West title. That's Northwestern, who comes into the, off a what were they three and nine last year? Oh, um, God, yes. And they're coming into the season with a four and a half win total. Uh, any reason I should think that that's going to happen, Jason?
1: Nope, not any reason at all. Uh, now, that being said, it wouldn't shock me because Northwestern historically is kind of an upset team. They win games they're not supposed to. So would I be shocked if they won five games? No. But do, would I bet on it? No. Uh, like you said, this thing, they were 3-9 and nine last year. They averaged 16 points a game on offense, which was good for 125th in the country and they allowed 29 a game which was good for 89th. So their lines of scrimmage were an absolute joke. They only had 19 sacks and they gave up 27. So above all that you might as well have thrown Timmy out there to play quarterback because it was a complete shit show. All three of the guys that they had who played quarterback, it was three different guys. None of them were above 60% completion. Two of them were below that. And so you know <laughs> I don't know. Looking to this year, they've got 14 starters back. Nine of them are on offense. So, offensively, it's good news for them. They've got, you know, their top, uh, let's see, their top three running backs and three of their top four wide receivers are back. They bring back a ton of experience on the offensive line, so they should be better there. The problem is their quarterback, Ryan Holinsky. He's just not good, period. So, bottom line, (laughs) I just think this offense will go as far as his fucking noodle arm can carry them. But defensively, <laughs> I can I can't be serious about this. Defensively, they got five starters back, but I'm not so sure that's a good thing. They suck. And I'm not gonna go into any detail. They're just not good on defense. <sighs> Looking at their schedule, there are to me, there's no chance this team wins five games just based on the numbers. I've got them favored in three games, which is Duke, Miami of Ohio, and Southern Illinois. And outside of those, I've got them as underdogs in every other game. I mean, listen to this stretch after they face, because they, you know, they open in Dublin in week zero with Nebraska. Then they get a week off and they play Duke, Southern Illinois, Miami of Ohio. So three and one, probably Miami of Ohio is not a pushover. And then they play at Penn state, Wisconsin at Maryland, at Iowa, Ohio state at Minnesota at Purdue that's just no chance. They even come out of that with more than one win. So give me the under, under four and a half.
2: We
0: suck. Timmy, what say you?
2: Uh, well, first of all, I would just like to say, uh, all coaches out there, my DMS are open. Uh, if you're looking for a Chris winky type guy who can hand the ball off pretty well, uh, I could be your quarterback at Northwestern, but, uh, no, I, don't,
0: I mean, I don't think you could get in.
2: Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. uh, the uh the button and the hammer, please.
0: Uh, okay, you button know, and hammer. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you the button and hammer right after I'm done using it. Uh, that's two teams <laughs> in a row that we're all three under. I'm assuming that that will change with this last team that Jason's going to give us a rundown on before we go to break, uh, and that is the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. I don't think we'll have three unders on this, but uh, tell me what PJ Flex got going on this year, Jason.
1: All right, so Flick. Aside from all the off, you know, off season bullshit, where you had players coming out saying, "Oh, he's an asshole. he's it's it's terrible coach. He's terrible to play for." And this and the other. I don't buy into all that shit. Most of the kids that were saying that crap either aren't on the team anymore, or they're troublemakers. So, this dude has won everywhere he's ever been. Now, nine and four last year, and they had two inexcusable losses on that schedule. As we know, to Bowling Green and the other to Illinois. I mean, bottom line, this team should have gone 10 and 2 and won the division, but it just didn't happen. They choked two games off, but they bring back 12 starters, six on each side. Now, offensively, Tanner Morgan, I think he's a little bit underrated. In 2019, when they won 11 games, like this dude went off. He was like 60%, 66% of his passes for 3,200, 30 TDs to seven picks. Okay. Fast forward to last season, 57% for 2,000 yards, 10 to 11 touchdown to uh, interceptions. The key to that, enter Kirk Soraka. This dude was the offensive coordinator during that 11-win season when Morgan flourished, and he is back as their OC after a two-year stint somewhere else. So I think that's big, and I expect Morgan to take a big step forward. Now, the other good news for him is that Mo Ibrahim is back at running back after tearing his ACL last year against Ohio State. I know we all remember that, where he had 30 carries for a buck sixty and then went down. And so their their running game should be improved with Ibrahim back and add to that their top five wide receivers are back. So I I think the skill positions set up really nicely for them. Along the offensive line, they didn't have to bring in some transfers. So and they lost some guys. So talent and depth is a little bit of a concern along the offensive line. But, again, it's Minnesota. I mean, talent and depth is a concern, but all their starters weigh like 330 pounds. It's not like they're going to be small up front. So I think they'll be okay as long as they can protect Morgan. Now, defensively, they were basically incredible on defense last year. Like, people don't realize how good they were. I mean, they were elite on defense last year. They gave up less than 100 yards a game. They were plus three in turnover margin, even with Morgan's bad play. I mean, they just, all their defensive stats were really good. So uh, aside from the game against Ohio State, which, you know, I don't think any of us are going to hang them out to dry for that. They gave up 17 points a game, and the only soft spot was really the pass rush. They only had 25 sacks. I mean, that's serviceable, but it ain't great. And then this year, they've got six starters and three of their top four tacklers. So I do expect them to be really good in the secondary. I think they've got a couple of the best safeties probably in the conference, but I think front seven takes a bit of a step back. So schedule wise, I'm going to pencil them in for two losses right out of the gate and that's at Penn state and at home versus Iowa, just because historically they have not been good against Iowa to me. Every other game on their schedule is winnable for them, but will they win those? I, I don't know. We'll just have to see if they take a step forward. But based on an improved offense, and you know a good but bend but don't break type defense, I'm going to take the over barely at eight games.
0: I feel strong about this now, really strong. All right, Timmy, you got your hammer? Uh, I do. It's not a
2: big ha- it's not a big hammer, uh, but I am going to use it. All right, seven and a half. I think compared to what they did last year, I mean, they did win what 9 games last year and you know, they very well could have won a couple more, but like you said they they choked off some games. But but for me, I see this team as kind of like a comparable to Iowa, right? Where they were pretty gross offensively last year um and really damn good on defense. And I know that, like you said, they're trying to to shake things up offensively by bringing back Sriracha. But, I mean, they were like 115th or something like that in passing yards in the country last year. And, you know, his coaching and and some of that stuff will help that. But I don't know if it's going to matter that much. He he did throw some interceptions. He was careless with the ball. So, I don't know. There's a little bit too much – you know, unknown and ambiguity for me to just buy into eight games. So I'm I'm taking the under on this one, man. So suck it, stunning, <sighs> absolutely
0: stunning, shocking.
1: Oh, did yeah, did not Gophers, see that, coming. man. Never ever give him any love. They could be ranked number one preseason, and he's going to be like
0: under. Be making jokes about PJ Flex tie. Um, I'm also going to take the over. I think uh, I I got him at seven and three going into the iowa game so between iowa at home and at wisconsin i like them to win at least one of those so uh, i'm going to take the over at eight maybe nine wins and with that fellas uh we are almost halfway through the big 10 west so we're going to take a quick break and hear from our friends at DraftKings, jason
1: Hey guys, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. A new way to enjoy daily fantasy football and a new shot at millions in prizes the only nft fantasy game licensed by the nfl players association each week craft your lineups of athletes from your nft collection and rack up points for touchdowns receptions and more just like you would in daily fantasy football the next generation of fantasy sports is almost here download the DraftKings kings daily fantasy app now and sign up with the promo code TPPN. click the rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop Play free for millions in prizes all football season and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. welcome back to the south end zone all right boys we've uh, touched on uh, three teams wisconsin minnesota and northwestern and let's see recapping we were all under on northwestern we were all under on wisconsin and two overs and an under on minnesota interesting <sighs> that's actually closer than i thought it was going to be going in but uh all right timmy i'm gonna jump over to you and we're gonna talk about uh the perdont Boilermakers. so purdue's coming in like everybody else in this fucking division with a seven and a half win total from vegas so nine and four a year ago are they gonna take a step forward step back what what are we looking at
2: so here's you know a couple of teams we're gonna look at where i think we might get some differing opinions on But starting off with Purdue, um, like you said, they're over and under seven and a half. Last year, you know, they had a a pretty damn good year at nine and four um, and six and three in the conference. And they're going to bring back 15 kids from that team last year, uh, six on offense and nine on defense. Um, they were right in the mix to win the Big T- uh, the Big Ten West, and they ended up beating at the time the number two ranked team in Iowa and the number five ranked team in Michigan State. So that's you know not too shabby for a Purdue team historically. And like I said, they do have a lot of returning talent coming back from last year. But the you know the, the great equalizer with that is is that the minimal players that they did lose were you know, pretty impactful players. You know, they lost uh, David Bell, who was the Big Ten wide receiver of the year last year, um, and they lost their their best defensive player in George Karlaftis. Um, and both of those guys are in NFL training camps right now, so they, they were they were studs for them. But, you know, looking at what they have coming back this year, offensively, you know, you got to look at Aiden O'Connell. He's back to lead the offense. And, and honestly, I think losing David Bell is not going to be as big of a hit as it could be. Um, it's not going to be catastrophic because I think O'Connell really showcased what he can do um, in that offense. You know, that offense is, is very intricate. He proved himself pretty, uh, pretty admirably last year, I thought. And the talent that they have brought in at the wide receiver position with some of the guys they have coming back combined with, you know, they have some studs at tight end. I think the, the passing game is going to work out very, very well for them this year. And, and the running game should be in good shape as well. You know, they have a, a really stout offensive line. Um, they're bringing back their leading running back. And then they have some pretty high-end talent coming in, you know, in the transfer portal uh, and a kid in Samson James. So I kind of like Purdue to hang some points on people this year. But they're kind of probably going to have to because defensively, I'm not on the same level they made some improvements from last year, and they were fairly middle of the road in the Big Ten on defense last year. But their defensive coordinator, you know, left to take a lateral transition, and he's over at Wake Forest now. So you do have a new coordinator coming in and the challenges that, you know, that brings in, um, combined with some some losses on the defensive line. We, we all know how important the defensive line is, especially – you know, in the Big Ten where you get the big nasties going up against each other with the likes of, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin. But, you know, the bottom line for me is, is I like Purdue to go over seven and a half. I, I can rattle off seven wins pretty quickly. And then to get to eight, they only need to win one of the games against Penn State, Minnesota, Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And, and I think they can definitely do that. Um, I, I think they could be competing for a West Division title this year. So give me the over.
1: You must think I'm dumb. Perdon't competing for a West Division title? Are you on your fucking mind? Are you kidding me? I'm not. Well, you need to go get a CAT scan or something and get your shit checked because there's no fucking chance that this team is competing for the West title this year. Book it. They no. Okay, yeah, they gave up 22 points a game last year on defense. Your boy laftus is gone. Most of their big time playmakers are gone. Their top, their top two tacklers are gone. Chalk it up, man. Like they're no. I can pencil men for like five losses right out of the gate. Like Penn State at Minnesota. I don't like that. At Maryland. I don't really like that either. At Wisconsin, Iowa at home. I mean, I know they've kind of had Iowa's number, but Nebraska at home, that's not a gimme. I just, I don't see it, man. I think they take a step back. Give me the under. I've got them at seven and five at best, six and six more
2: likely. All right, Eric, you're the equalizer.
0: I'm the swing vote, huh? I don't think they're necessarily going to be in the running for the West title, but I do like them to go over just because of their schedule. They miss Ohio state, Michigan and Michigan state from the East. You know, I I, I see five games where they're clearly favored In can they win three out of the other seven? Yeah. I don't see why not. Mm -hmm. Terrible.
1: Okay. Well, let's talk about a team that's not trash and is actually going to compete for the big 10 West title, which is Iowa who also is coming in at seven and a half. Now, me personally, I think that's a little bit egregious from Vegas, if I'm being honest. So are are you on the same page there? Is Iowa going to repeat as West champs?
2: All right. Let's take a look at them hard here. So 10 and four last year, seven and two in the conference. And like you said, they won the West. Um, They're bringing back 17 of their players from last year, nine on offense and eight on defense but i mean iowa i mean was there was there a team that had a larger disparity from offense to defense last year that, did anybody have one bigger than them cuz i can't think of one oh, um, wake
0: forest in reverse
2: <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah. exactly You know, I I could spend 20 minutes crushing their offensive performance from last year, but, you know, I will kind of save you the trouble and just I'll remind everybody that they were 13th of the 14 teams in total offense in the Big Ten last year. The only team worse was Indiana, and we all know how putrid they were. So, you know, what does that mean for this year? Well, I smell more dumpster juice on offense for Iowa this year. Their (laughs) offensive line – was not up to snuff last year, uh, especially for an Iowa team. Uh, and then go ahead and rip Tyler Linderbaum out of that lineup um, and tell me how that's going to make you better, because it's not. So their, their line has something to prove. But, I mean, surprisingly last year, despite the, the O-line play, they were able to run the ball pretty effectively. But the guy who did that is gone, you know. And nameless gray-faced man who rushed for, like, 250 yards or something is going to step in to replace him. Again, not a good look. you know. And then there's the all-important quarterback position. Spencer Petrus is, is battling you know, Alex Padilla in camp, and, and honestly, they both suck. So they're going to lose either way. Offensively, it's going to be a nightmare for them again this year. I just don't see a good outlook on it. But on the flip side, on defense, like Eric said, Wake Forest in reverse. is the polar opposite, and I think it's going to be more of the same this year. You know they got their asses pounded by by Michigan and Purdue last year, but all in all, they only gave up 20 points per game and were ninth in the entire country in yards allowed, and that's pretty damn stout. You know they've got they've got a real ball hawk safety in Riley Moss on the back end, who plays off of a very sturdy pass rush from their front four. Um, and really, one of the best linebacking cores in the Big Ten, and and I see no reason that Iowa can't hurt some people's feelings on defense this year. But the bottom line for me is that you know relying on your defense that much and trying to win a ten to seven ball game, I just don't see that formula being able to work out for you very well. You know, if Iowa was at least mediocre on offense, I would hammer the over all day long. But because their offense is so terrible, there are just too many landmines on their schedule for me to say that they're just going to go out and win eight games. Seven, confidently. Eight, I'm sketchy on that. So give me the
0: under, man.
1: Damn. All right. Well, Eric, what say you?
0: Uh, I say that a team that brings back nine starters from an offense that was 99th in points per game, 119th in tackles for loss allowed, 128th in red zone touchdown percentage, 108th in yards per carry, and 79th in pressure rate allowed uh, should not be expected to win more than seven games. So I'm going to take the under. Dumpster juice.
1: Damn. Well, I'm going to be the contrarian once again. I'm going to take the over.
2: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> Give me the over on seven and a half. I think Iowa comes out of the West again this year. I I know they lost Tyler Linderbahn, but they do have more experience coming back. So I think they'll be, you know, as good or better than they were last year, wide receiver wise. Their top three pass pass catchers are back. So I think that another year can only help Spencer Peters get better. Running backs, I think they'll be fine. I mean, Gavin Williams, he rushed for like five yards of carry last year. If their offensive line play remains the same, their running game shouldn't really drop off a ton, even with the loss of Goodson. So, offensively, they're not going to be very good. Yes, you are correct about that. But defensively, I think you're right on point. They're going to suffocate people again. Now, where I struggle is the back end of the schedule because I've got them sitting at 6-2. and two. So now they've got to win two games out of at Purdue, Wisconsin at home at Minnesota, Nebraska at home. I think they can win two of those games. I really do. So I'm going to take the over barely at eight wins, but I think ultimately with all the crazy shit that goes on, I think they end up coming out of the West.
2: I don't know, man. You might be the one that needs to go get your head examined. We'll see. I smell more big 10 West wagers on the horizon in the very short future. So we'll see.
1: Oh yeah. You're going to, you're going to lay some show bets on that. Oh man. I like it. Yeah. Let's do we'll it. we'll um, put some,
2: we'll put some skin on it. We'll think up some I, terms.
1: Oh yeah. I like it. You want to make a bet on Iowa this year? Fucking bring it. Cause your track record on big 10 West losses are not good. So
0: his track record's almost as bad as his track record on paying out those bets, too. What do you care? Uh, eat my ass.
1: <laughs> so, all right, Eric, I'm going to talk to you about a, well, a, God, yet another team with a fucking seven and a half Vegas win total. Scott Frost and Company, three and nine a year ago, coming in with a seven and a half win total this year. We've talked about Nebraska at length in the offseason. Like make, make sense of Nebraska for me because it's nothing makes sense.
0: Okay. Nothing makes sense because they are an extreme statistical outlier. Uh, They lost eight games by one score uh, last season, which is they're the first team ever in the history of college football to do that. And they lost those close games to, I mean, at Oklahoma, at Michigan state, at Minnesota, at Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, Purdue, and Michigan at home. Like they, they lost to good teams. You know, the end result is yes, they they still lost, and they need to they need to not lose. Um, if Scott Frost wants to avoid a trip to Tuscaloosa for a rehab stint at Nick Saban's home for Wayward Coaches, he is uh, 15 and 29 in four years, and he has got to win. So, and he knows that too, right? We've we've talked about his contract. He got the he got the Har Harbaugh treatment. Uh, you know, restructured uh, contract, took a pay cut to avoid getting fired, buy buyout, and all that. And then there's some incentives in there where he kind of gets back to where he was if they win. Uh, So to try and do that, uh, he changed out his entire offensive staff, Uh, brought in Mark Whipple from Pitt as offensive coordinator, and they have a new quarterback as well. Um, So Adrian Martinez has finally, I thought he actually just ran out of eligibility and graduated. No, he just transferred. Um, So he's somehow still playing college football at K state, but they brought in Casey Thompson from Texas, who was, who was decent last year. He battled a thumb injury. So he's, Kind of off and on playing, uh, but he threw for 2,100 yards and 24 touchdowns, 63%. I mean, he was solid. They're bringing back a kind of a rotating cast of, of running backs. They're going to split the load. They're not going to have one workhorse guy, but they got three guys who kind of maybe have uh, mixed up a little bit, different styles. They don't have a ton of experience coming back at the receiver position. Their best one coming back is probably Omar Manning. And that's really after that, it's a lot of new guys. They're deep at tight end on paper. They got four guys that, who I think they believe can play and contribute, but they're all hurt right now, and I don't know when any of them are going to be back. The offensive line was bad last year. They they had the highest uh, pressure rate allowed in all of Power 5 conferences. They were uh, 43%, and they're bringing three of those guys back, so you, you really wonder if that's going to be uh, a strength or a weakness for them. So offensively, they just have to execute better. They were 18th in the country in yards per play, yet they were 71st in points per game. You know, it makes makes you think they they're able to move the ball. They're just not able to sustain drives because they do something to shoot themselves in the foot. You know, turn it over, dumb penalty, whatever. They ran a, a minus five turnover, uh, which is actually part of that. You know, 18th versus 71st. They were uh, they turned the ball over 18 times last year, minus five on the season in differential. So offensively, they're probably going to be average-ish. Um, I'm curious to see how much of the, you know, Whipple has a—he's uh, a real, you know, been around, real experienced guy coming from Pitt. You might just assume that they're going to be throwing the ball around more. I don't know that that's necessarily the case because he doesn't have Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison here. So uh, we'll see offensively how they do. I'd expect something in the vicinity of average. Defensively, they have some real big question marks up front. They have one. Def- you know, defensive tackle that I would call experienced. uh, And he's got four starts, uh, Ty Robinson. So they have some promising options. Guys are going to get a chance, but none of them are sure bets. Um, They got, you know, that on the interior mostly. They have four guys they can rotate through an edge rusher, but they have two really good middle linebackers. Uh, Secondary is not super talented, but they're pretty experienced. So having said all that, If they do not improve their special teams play, none of which I, nothing I just said will matter because they will lose eight games again if their special teams are anywhere as awful as they were last season. We suck. They got a special teams coach now, an actual special teams coordinator. It's not just a hodgepodge of, of whoever feels like dealing with them that particular day. I don't know why it took so long. In Scott Frost's four years, they have been 129th, 115th, 123rd, and 109th in the Freeman Efficiency Index, which judges uh, – or I'm sorry, the Fremau Efficiency Index, which judges special teams play all facets, uh, which is a Ugh. fancy way of saying they've been garbage. We sucked. They made half their field goals last year. They missed four extra points. So they brought in a new punter, a new kicker, both guys who who did very, very well at the FCS level. So maybe an improvement there, but I, I'm going to take the under because I have serious questions about their depth, defensive and offensive line. I don't know that they are going to be good enough upfront to win eight games in this conference. So they should be going into that home stretch towards the end of the year. Uh, that last month of the season, I think maybe at six and two, but minnesota at michigan wisconsin at iowa I, I just i don't like it i don't know that they win two of those four so i'm gonna take the under
1: all right timmy tell him where he's wrong
0: team me up man
2: he ain't fucking wrong man <laughs> um I, i'm pretty sure frank beamer just had an aneurysm listening to the special team stats you just rattled off holy shit <laughs> um but, I'm going to repeat this for the listeners in the way back because maybe they didn't hear this. Um, But Scott Frost in his tenure at Nebraska, four and eight, five and seven, three and five, three and nine. And I'm just magically supposed to go and slap an Andrew Jackson down on the table and say, yeah, Nebraska's going to win eight games this year. Get the out of here. I don't care about any of that margin of victory or point differential stats and all that shit. They lost those games, and that means to me that their teams are not built to win close games, and if you consistently do that, then your team is not clutch. I'm sorry. The best that I can see is five or six wins, and I don't think that's good enough for Scott Frost. Warm up the U-Haul, baby. He's going to Tuscaloosa to Eric's wayward coaches school.
1: Oh, boy. Yep. I I'm actually in agreement with both of you guys. I think the party's over Scott Frost is out and I would be shocked if they made it over seven and a half. I I agree with all the underlying numbers. I I, I see it, but to me it's similar to like a pitcher who's got great underlying numbers, but still goes out and gets fucking rocked every time he pitches.
0: Well, I mean the the underlying numbers can get overblown. You know, what the underlying numbers tell me is they should have gone six and six last year. It doesn't tell me that they were a great team. Doesn't even tell me they were a good team. It tells me they lost some games against good teams that they had no business, you know, they had, they had a fourth quarter lead two different times against Iowa. You know, they were, they were leading Michigan state gave up a punt return touchdown you know, at some point it, it can only be math and, and, and luck for so long before it's just you guys have a tendency to shoot yourself in the foot and lose games you shouldn't. So, I don't, I mean, I think they, I think they will get to a bowl game. I think they'll win six. I can see them winning seven. I'm just curious if seven and five is, is good enough to get him one more year. That's all. Well, yeah. Now that I, I don't know if he has a winning record, maybe, but well, I mean, you know, if he gets a four game improvement, it's, it, it, it becomes a discussion. I'll say that much.
2: Hell, if he yeah. wins seven games this year, they're liable to build him a damn statue after all the freaking, you know, slack that he's gotten. Yeah.
1: I bet they miss Bo Pelini. Just a thought. Guy won nine games a year and got booted. But, uh, all right. So last team on the docket, Eric, the man has never been full Brett. <laughs> What's he going to do, man? He's coming in with a four and a half in total. I, I think Illinois is going to take a,
0: a bit of a step forward this year. Am I am I crazy to think that? Am I am I wrong? You are not wrong, and let me tell you why. They were five and seven last year. I mean, they weren't. That's not particularly great, but they weren't awful, right? They weren't Indiana. You know, defensively, they were pretty good. They gave up twenty three a game. Uh, they were four and five in the conference. You know, that's that's nothing to to be too depressed about. Uh, offensively, however, they were putrid. So they went out and hired uh, Barry Lunny, who was the offensive coordinator at UTSA. So I'm just going to run you down a quick little set of numbers from uh, Illinois' offense last year and UTSA's offense last year and kind of a comparison to maybe kind of what they're envisioning. So uh, points per game, Illinois 115th, UTSA 11th. Total offense, (laughs) Illinois 112th. UTSA 34th Uh, touchdown drive rate, which is the percentage of drives that end in a touchdown. Uh, Illinois 120th UTSA 26th yards per attempt passing Illinois 124th UTSA 46th 121st and pass efficiency for Illinois UTSA 26th. So I think they are going to expect some improvement scheme wise, play calling wise, getting guys in, in good positions, uh, and then they brought in a new quarterback, uh, Tommy DeVito from Syracuse. Now he was decent for them in 2019, 2,300 yards, seven yards per attempt, 19 touchdowns, five picks, 63%. And then he he was in a reserve role the last two seasons. I don't know if he was hurt or uh, what exactly, but I think there's a reason to expect that they can improve at the quarterback position a little bit, uh, just talent-wise over last year. They bring him back. A really good running back tandem, and Chase Brown and Josh McCray. Uh, Brown ran for a thousand yards last year, just under six yards per carry. Uh, Josh McCray is a backup; he went for five fifty and two scores. And then, as far as receivers, Isaiah Williams is probably their best one coming back. He caught forty seven balls for five hundred twenty five yards in his first season playing receiver as a freshman uh, converted quarterback. So, you know, there's a chance that he could, um, you know, take a step forward and make some improvements and be better. Uh, Luke Ford, decent tight end, not great, but they bring back four offensive linemen with starting experience and then two uh, well-regarded Juco transfers as well. So up front, predictably with the Bolima team, they should be pretty sturdy up along the offensive line. Uh, Alex, uh, God, I don't even want to... I'm going to try to pronounce his last name, and I'll apologize in, in advance if he's listening because I butcher it, but uh, Palchowski... P-A-L-C-Z-E-W-S-K-I. He's a tackle, and he's coming into this year with 52 career starts under his belt, which is the most by any player in FBS football. So defensively, like I said earlier, I think they'll be pretty good. Um, they have two really good guys in the interior, Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton. Those guys, as, as interior defensive linemen, they combine for 92 tackles, five, nine and a half tackles for loss and seven sacks. Uh, Tariq Barnes is a pretty good linebacker. He he made 10 starts last year, 80 tackles. Pretty good cornerback in uh, the Witherspoon kid, Devin Witherspoon. 52 tackles, 8 tackles for loss, 9 pass breakups. So there's, they're pretty experienced and fairly deep on defense. I think they'll be good. I think they can get to five wins. I got them with wins over Wyoming, Indiana, Chattanooga, Northwestern, and then I think they steal a game amongst the rest of their schedule. So I am a believer.
1: Man, I like it. Timmy, where are you at with Illinois?
2: Warm up the bus, man. I'm jumping on the Beelma train here. Um, Four and a half. I I think that's a game too low from Vegas. If you just said five or five and a half, I would have probably taken the under. But I think they can get to five wins. You know, like Eric kind of highlighted their non-conference schedule, uh, a lot of winnable games. Um, And then in conference, you know, Northwestern, Nebraska, those are winnable games for them. So I like them to get to five wins here, actually. So give me the over.
1: Oh Man, I'll be honest. I hadn't looked at their schedule really very hard until just now. And I don't like it. So I'm actually going to take the under and say they win four games because while I agree with everything Eric said, I think they're better and, most areas this year, I absolutely hate their schedule. I I don't think Virginia is a winnable game. I think Virginia, I mean, it is at home, but uh, Virginia blew the doors off them last year. And by the way, Timmy, I don't know if you remember the last time you were on the Beelma bus and I warned you about it and they got drilled by UVA and you hopped off the bus after that. I'd be really skeptical about hopping back on just yet because Finishing out the season with games at Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, at Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, at Michigan. Oh,
0: they just got to win one of those games. They beat two of those teams last year.
1: Yeah, but both of those were at home. I,
0: I, don't, I, just, I don't I don't know, know man. I, they won at Minnesota last year.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. That was at. Oh, God damn it. Fucking Minnesota. All right. Well, I'm going to. I'm just not willing to bet the over with that schedule. So give me the under I'll take four wins for Beelma in year two, but oh. you know, it wouldn't shock me if they went over and stole a game or two. It's a typical Beelma team. All their offensive linemen weigh like 500 pounds. So should be interesting. All right. Well, so just bold predictions right now, all the overs and unders aside, Eric, who's winning the big 10 West. <sighs>
0: this actually does feel kind of bold. Um,
1: well, fortune favors the bold and we're yeah. we're about, we're about fortune favoring the bold on this podcast. So um, who's winning well, the West
0: going just off my over under picks. Um, I took under eight and a half for Wisconsin. And I took over seven and a half for Minnesota and Purdue. So I'm going to say Minnesota because I think they have the better defense. So I kind of like them and maybe in that head to head matchup and maybe finish with a slightly better record. So I guess give me the (laughs) Gophers.
1: Yes. That's what I like to hear. Timmy, who's winning the Big Ten West?
2: So who's going to be the sheep-led Who's going to be the sheep led to slaughter by Ohio State? And uh, I'm taking the Boilermakers to come out of the West and get their asses kicked by Ohio State. Wait yeah, you,
0: you kind of have to. Like, he painted himself into that corner because he took the under on everybody except for Purdue and Illinois. And Illinois' number is four and a half. So, I, don't, I mean, Timmy saying anything other than Purdue there is just not credible.
1: Oh God, per don't get out so, of here.
0: So Jason, it looks like, cause I got the tally sheet right here that I'm keeping all of these. It looks like you're, you're down to Minnesota and Iowa is your pick.
1: That's correct. And I think whoever wins that game comes out of the West. I can't predict either one. Iowa has pretty much had their number. I think they're like eight and two against them in the last 10 seasons. And so I'm just not willing to bet on Minnesota winning that game. Even though I believe it's at home this year, is that correct? Yes, it's at home. So I I'm just not willing to bet it, man, because they just have a poor track record against Iowa. So I think that game comes down to who wins it. And I think Iowa comes out of the West barely. Ooh. Bold. A lot of controversy. A lot of show bets. I love that. Can't wait for Timmy's terms on the iowa show bet bring that
2: week shit yeah we'll 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 write this one down for later
1: yeah you already you need to double down because you're not getting out of that last one if you ever decide to pay up but uh okay well so looking to next week eric we've got big 12 on the docket next week should be really interesting yep next Uh, week
0: we got to figure out if texas is back or not
1: well, I spoiler alert, yeah, they're not back.
2: preview alert, they're not back. <laughs>
1: nope. Nope, they're not back. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Big 12 should be really interesting. Baylor coming back off a Big 12 title. Are they going to be as good as Oklahoma? What are they going to look like under Brent Venables with uh, Dylan Gabriel, you know, who's a long-shot Heisman, you know, guy? I mean, I – I don't know. I think it'll be similar to this podcast where we'll have a lot of disparity in our picks. So it should be really interesting. But uh, with that being said, we're going to let you go. And you guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey47. You can follow him at Eric Mulhair. And you can follow Timmy at SE underscore Timmy Poe. And uh, yeah. We'd like to thank our corporate sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook and our other sponsors as well. And we'll be back with you next week with the Big 12. See you then. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day.